0: Welcome to Calibrate Conversations, a podcast about embracing God's standard for sexuality. I'm your host, Brady Cohn, and I'm so glad that you joined us this week. So today I'm going to talk about something that has been the rage everywhere around social media, the movie, The Sound of Freedom. If you haven't seen it, you really need to. I finally went and saw it this week, and it's as encouraging and inspiring and as heartbreaking as as people say it is. And so we, you really need to go see it if you haven't already. Uh, I think that we all know by now that The Sound of Freedom is about sex trafficking and a dad who uh, goes and rescues over 100 kids from sex trafficking and is the father of a little girl it absolutely broke my heart as as I thought it would. And I don't see how we could watch the movie without being brokenhearted. One of the things that I appreciate about the movie, though, was that it showed that it's not just girls who are victims of sex trafficking, but boys are victims too. And I remember about 15 years ago when there's a lot more attention being shown to about sex trafficking and a lot of awareness being raised by it. A lot of people were telling us that a third of the sex trafficking victims in the world are actually boys, but they're not talked about very much. And uh, at that time... There were very few even organizations rescuing boys or rehabilitating them because everything was about the girls. And so I really appreciate that since that time, there's been a lot more organizations that are also rescuing boys and providing aftercare for them. And I I appreciate that because that's obviously a huge portion of victims. That's millions of boys throughout the world that are victims of sex trafficking and so we see this movie, uh, and and we're so outraged by what's happening, and we, we see posts about sex trafficking online and people talking about it on social media, and it just seems like this can't hardly be real, and how did we get here? How did we get here as a world to where there's millions of sex trafficking victims that are stolen from their families, sometimes sold by their families, in these brothels, being trafficked around the world and into the U.S.? How did we get here? Well, I want to share with you guys a verse that explains how we got here. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've been, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Uh, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so that really sums it up. Is like as we go through this passage and and the Apostle Paul is telling the Ephesians what not to be, he's saying, not to be like the rest of the world. They have darkened their understanding and they've separated from the life of God. They have ignorance and they have a hardening of their hearts. It says they, they've lost all sensitivity, so their consciences has, have been seared and they've lost sensitivity of their consciences. They've given themselves over to sensuality, so obviously all kinds of sexual desire, and they, they indulge in it. And uh, that's the road that we've gone down. That's the road that our world has is is living in, that's that's the state our world is living in right now. They're corrupted and they've given themselves over to sensuality. But I want to be clear on a couple things today. And one is that this isn't just a problem for the world out there. This is a problem in the church. Uh there's And I'm going to read some statistics on pornography. And I think it's so startling every time we hear these statistics. And I want to read these statistics and talk about pornography because the sex trafficking industry is so connected to the pornography industry. It's connected in a couple of ways. One is connected because. So much of pornography is made from sex trafficking victims, and so the pornography industry is directly feeding the need for sex trafficking because they use those victims to make pornography. And secondly, pornography is what is helping to darken people's hearts, to sear their consciences. If if people are on this progression, they don't just... Initially set out to be a pedophile who pays for a little girl at a brothel, it starts with a thought. It starts with lust. It starts with uh, you know lusting after a woman, and then they turn to pornography. And the pornography has to get more and more extreme as they're more and more desensitized to it. And then they start acting out with sex and and having sex with women, and then. You know, it has to get more and more extreme, and eventually they go down this road of walking into a brothel and paying for sex from a little girl. That is the road that people go down, and pornography plays a vital role in that road that gets people to that place. And statistics show, I got these from the organization Covenant Eyes. Statistics show that 28,000 people are watching pornography every second of the day. So imagine that right now, as you listen to this, there's 28,000 people watching pornography. That's just mind-numbing, and it's, it's such a sad and dark reality. And so we should maybe just take a second to stop and pray for those people. Pray for the darkness that's happening one in five mobile searches, so searches on your cell phone are for pornography. Think about how many Google searches are done in a day. It's like I, I do like 100 Google searches on my phone in, in a day. And overall, one in five searches on people's phones are p- for pornography. And so that's that's just staggering. Um, 88% of scenes in porn films contain physical aggression and 49% of scenes contain verbal aggression. And so what we see in pornography uh, really helps desensitize guys and sometimes women uh, against the horrific nature of, of aggression and violence within sex. It desensitizes them. It makes them want it. It gives them an it allows that desire to grow in their minds as their hearts are now more and more darkened. The next, the next statistic: ninety percent of teens and ninety-six percent of young adults are either encouraging, accepting, or neutral when they talk about pornography with their friends. So, over ninety percent of teens. Uh, And young adults uh, don't see any problem with pornography. And so uh, it's no wonder our our younger generations have been so bombarded with it and we've put it at their fingertips by putting a phone in their hand that they're so numb and they don't, they have no understanding as to why it's wrong. Or I feel like a lot of people in the older generations. Uh, their their conscience hasn't quite been as seared, and so they still do it, and the statistics are horrible with, with older people too, but uh, they, they still have a conscience left, so they know that it's wrong, but they're living in sin, so they keep doing it anyway. Just 55% though of adults 25 and older believe that pornography is wrong. That means 45% of adults 25 and older don't even think that it's wrong. They think that there's nothing wrong with it. Now, I'm in, you know, uh, online dad groups on Facebook, and it is so heartbreaking to see the attitude amongst the husbands and the dads in these groups that just think that pornography uh, isn't a problem. There's no reason why we should be upset by it, why we should deny ourselves. Um, they, They have no understanding. They're the Gentiles that Paul is talking about in this passage. But like I said, pornography isn't just a problem inside Uh, The world, it's a problem inside the church. One in five youth pastors and one in seven senior pastors use porn on a regular basis. Like, isn't that just astounding and and such a sad reality? That's more than 50,000 U.S. pastors are regularly using pornography Other statistics show that 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say they watch porn at least once a month. And so if you look around the sanctuary in your church on Sunday morning, uh, 64% of those men are regularly using pornography and 15% of the women. And so this isn't just a problem with the Gentiles, the unbelieving world out there. it's a problem in here. And as I talk about sexuality's Sexuality issues in the church, I often talk about we can't just make sexuality issues a matter of um, us versus the world because it's in here. We need transformation. And I think that these statistics show that. And so pornography um, is one of the steps that leads people to that place. A 2004 study found that compulsive pornography users had greater impairments of sexual arousal and erectile difficulties in intimate relationships. and so because of that, because they're being desensitized, um, anyone who is looking at pornography then needs things that are more and more extreme to uh, arouse them. And so we end up with more and more extreme pornography, and then we end up with more and more extreme sexual encounters where we resort to violence or aggression or People who are younger and younger and we need it more and more. And so that road is with pornography is directly feeding into our sex trafficking issues around the world. So it's one thing to know that this is a huge issue, and we've known this for a long time, but I'm glad that a movie like The Sound of Freedom is bringing more and more recognition to the issue, but where do we go from here? And even as this movie has come out and been so popular, I've had people message me, say, what do I do? What do we do? Like, how do we solve this? Uh, Should I give money to an organization? And the answer might be yes. There's some great organizations that are working to rescue people from sex trafficking and bring them. Awareness, But people want to do more than that. Like, what can we do to be a part of the solution? Well, I had some personal experience in this area back about 15 years ago when I first entered into ministry. Um, I, there's a lot being said about sex trafficking. There's a lot of awareness, uh, being, being made. And so I started getting involved in that area and I had college students because this is when I was a college pastor, I had college students who were really interested and their hearts, uh, really gravitated towards these victims. They wanted to do something. And so I had college students who did some really great things. We started an international justice mission chapter, uh, at the university of Nebraska Kearney. We, uh, went on mission trips where we could serve women who'd been rescued out of the brothels. Then I personally, had some experiences that forever changed my life. Um, I got to be a part of rescuing girls from uh, brothels in Mexico. And those moments are are moments that I don't talk about often because it's, it's emotional and it's difficult. And I I saw things that I wish that I never had to see that I can never unsee. And it, it breaks my heart to this day to even think about some of these little girls, that uh, were, were these victims that that I got that I had to see and experience. Um, but one of the things I saw that really uh, gave me a different perspective was that when I was in Mexico um, and we're in this neighborhood where that was just filled with brothels where you could pay $100 to go and be with a seven-year-old girl and it was just happening everywhere – but I, I observed that most of the customers coming in and out of these brothels were American men, and it just that that broke my heart and it made me angry that american men are are going across the border because it's easier it's cheaper there's uh le- there's fewer consequences there's less of a chance they're going to get caught and as I looked into these men. Uh, my heart actually broke for them because I knew that none of these men set out to be pedophiles. They didn't set out to live a life in which they would walk into a brothel in, in Mexico to pay to be with a little girl. It started with this progression of lust and pornography and, you know, then all kinds of sex, they had to get more and more extreme and to satisfy their urges, they needed girls who were younger and younger. And now here they are, uh, in Mexico paying uh, for sex with a seven-year-old girl. And another experience that really changed my perspective was back in Nebraska during this time, uh, was a situation where, in a small town, a mom was arrested for prostituting out her 7-year-old and her 14-year-old daughters, which is just horrific to think that any parent would do that. Uh, but, but it happened, and, and it was a big thing. It was in the news a lot, and I think there's like seven men that they arrested for being the customers – And so uh, people were talking about that. And I I did a bunch of research. I did some internet stalking. Um, I'm I'm really good at that, you know, stalking everyone on social media. And what I realized is that a bunch of those men uh, had actually been college students at one point on college campuses where I had ministries. And that really just broke my heart because even though some of them had been long ago before I had a ministry there, I couldn't help but think, how could this situation be different if these men had been reached with the gospel? What if on their college campus— Uh, Someone had shared the gospel with them, and they've been able to confess their porn addiction, their lust issues, the sex they're having outside of marriage. What if they had been at a place to confess that and find healing? It could have stopped the process right there. They could have lived a transformed life so that they weren't then seeking to hire uh, a young girl and pay uh, a young girl's mom to be with her. And so that really helped shift my perspective and see that the only solution isn't just going to Mexico and being a part of the rescues, even though that's awesome and we should support organizations that do that. For me, I realized that To do that effectively, you need to move there, you need to do it full time, you need to learn the language, and that wasn't what God called me to, but God had called me to make disciples in Nebraska, especially on college campuses, in in regards to sexuality issues. But I realized that I could be a part of the solution to sex trafficking by making disciples on college campuses, by changing the hearts of men. We have to change the hearts of men if we're going to uh, eradicate these problems. And I do appreciate the organizations that rescue these girls. Obviously, when they're living in slavery, we want them to be rescued. But ultimately, if we're going to uh, change the world and make this no longer be a problem. We need to take away the demand because as long as there's a demand for it, uh, they will go out and get more girls. They will kidnap more girls. They'll, the price will be higher uh for, for girls. There'll be more of an incentive as long as there's men willing to pay for this. And so We need to change the hearts of men so that we really decimate the demand for young girls and young boys in these brothels. And so until we do that, there's going to be a demand for it, and uh, it's going to happen on some level. And so we need to change the hearts of men. We need to make disciples. We need to have an influence. There's three primary areas where I think that uh, we need to focus on having Our influence. One is within our family. God put us men here on earth to lead our families, to protect our families. And the statistics show that people who are most likely to be victims or more susceptible to be victims of sex trafficking are people who, and kids who come from single family homes, uh, kids who live in poverty, um, uh, kids who don't have a dad in their life, where there's dysfunction, divorce. Uh, sexual addiction in the family. And so by leading our families well, uh, we are actually being a part of the solution because we are uh, putting our kids in a place where they're less likely to be victims. And so we need to lead our families well. We need to love our wives well. We need to disciple our kids. We need to disciple our kids to not be addicted to pornography And and to sex, and we need to shepherd what's going on in their heart. That is our responsibility as men, and we need to take that responsibility much more seriously. Secondly is in the church. As we look around our church, like I said, 64% of men in the church are addicted to pornography. The church needs us to come alongside men and help them, and to help them uh, work through their issues, to be sanctified, to apply the gospel to their lives. I see so many men who are arrested for sex crimes who were a part of a church, but they kept it a secret. They had kept uh, these issues a secret, and it went from a thought to pornography to uh to sex crimes eventually. And so these men need a place where they can be real, where they can be honest, where they can be transparent, where we pursue them at a deep, deep level and give them a community where they can be sanctified. And so our church needs us, our, our men and our women and our children need us with inside the church to make disciples and provide uh, an atmosphere of sanctification and healing and ultimately gospel transformation. And lastly, is the government? Uh, we need we have a responsibility to have an influence where we can, and I, I hate to even bring up the topic of government because I see so many Christians. I feel like putting their hope in government, and I see that by the way that they talk about politics. I see that by how they engage the uh, uh, you know the the tribalism, the animosity. And sometimes I just want nothing to do with that because it's so ugly and it doesn't represent Jesus at all. I see government sometimes as being an idol. I see politicians as being an idol in people's lives. But when we're in a healthy place in relationship with government, we don't have to idolize effort, but we have a responsibility to make our government something that's going to protect kids and lead to human flourishing. And so we should be helping pass policies that lead to human flourishing and protect kids. And some of what's being passed uh, in some more liberal states is doing the opposite of that. We we see bills being passed that are taking kids away from their families so they can be given gender-affirming care and gender transitions. Uh, we see um, policies being passed that are making people more reliant on the government and living in... in in poverty and we need to be passing laws that protect kids that protect families. We need to be vigilant about what's going on. We need to understand that uh, politics is one part of the solution that being involved with politics and making the right choices, uh, does not replace making disciples in our community. It doesn't replace uh, leading our families, but it is one part of the responsibility that we have. And some of that is we have to look at the choices we're making politically. You know, when I talk about people whose hearts have been hardened, um, I, I see that so much. In the area of politics, and you don't have to look around social media far to see that, to see people who are so angry where, and we're so desperate for power that we'll give anything for that power. In the last few years, we've seen many Christians supporting a certain politician who has spent years um, partnering with the porn industry who, where he spent years partying at the Playboy Mansion, where he, Hugh Hefner was one of his best friends, and he would have affairs with some of the Playboy models. Uh, this politician uh, has profited off the porn industry. He he even uh, you know has been recorded bragging about grabbing women by the pussy, which is such a horrible statement to utter. But I see Christians supporting this politician, and I think that uh, this certain politician obviously um, uh, has a heart that's been hardened, and the fact that Christians would support this man – uh, I think goes to show that our hearts have been hardened and we don't see things clearly and we don't see the influence that pornography has had on us. And we don't see the influence that affairs and family dysfunction and divorces and all the things that this politician has um, had in his life uh, really has on us. And so I think we need to repent of the standards that we've set and how we've engaged with politics where we've made about how I can have power and not how we can have the best influence. And so we need to really evaluate how uh, we engage with politics and the policies we fight for, what we fight for, and who um, we tap to fight for them. I think as I talk about this, of, you know, the solution being making disciples, I think that people get frustrated by that because we want to do something that feels like we are directly impacting this area And I I understand that I've, I've been there too. And, uh, sometimes we can, we need a lot of more brave men like Tim in this movie, sound of freedom who will put himself in dangerous places to rescue girls. We need more people to do that, but I don't want you guys to think that you aren't making a difference in your everyday life by proclaiming gospel hope to people. Because that ultimately is what changes people's hearts. Sex trafficking is a sexuality issue because it's caused by... You know, uh, believing a lie and putting our sexuality in the wrong place in our life by letting our heart be darkened. And as I talk a lot about Romans 1 on this podcast about the, ex- the exchange of the truth about God for a lie and worship creation rather than the creator, that's sex trafficking right there. And the small decisions we make today with pornography and and sex outside of marriage and so many issues make such a huge difference in the life we live tomorrow because it hardens our hearts. And so we can make a difference. We can't be part of the solution. And even though I think it it doesn't sound as exciting or it doesn't feel like we're doing as much because it's really hard to know what you prevented sometimes. It's hard to know what situations you prevented from happening. And when we decrease the demand for uh, girls and boys in brothels, it's hard to know what we prevented but we can be at peace knowing that we are being obedient to what god called us to do and that's make disciples to change the hearts of men to create an environment and a community where people are flourishing so they're less likely to be victims of these issues where we're intentional about investing in you know the fatherless kids in our neighborhood in our community so that they're less likely to be victims and they have Christ in their life. That is all part of the solution. And I encourage you guys to pray about what steps you can take to be a part of that solution. What steps can you take to better lead your family, your church, your government, and and really change the hearts of men so that we can see people set free? Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Calibrate Conversations. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on YouTube, hit the bell so you get some notifications, share this message uh, on social media with your friends. I'd really appreciate that. And be sure to check out calibrateministries.com for more resources and a place where you can give if you feel led, led to do so. All right. Thank you, guys.